Welcome inside episode 654 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains and last night the Sens let in the first two goals and then scored five unanswered to beat the Washington Capitals on home ice. And Ross, to break down that game from the TSN broadcast, it's recurring guest Cheryl Pounder. Excited to chat with her, get some thoughts on the Sens defense and more. Plus, Tyler Boucher maintains his goal per game pace with the 67s. All of it's brought to you by Bet Online. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Visit Bet Online where the game starts. And now the show starts. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützler, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen. On this Friday, October 21st, the show is free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help the show grow is to like every video by clicking the thumbs up and subscribing to the channel. If you subscribe, you can get notifications, turn the bell on, and you'll know when shows like the postcast go live. Last night was an electric postcast after a 5-2 victory. I was so upset I couldn't make it, but Pilsy, I got some thoughts on that game. But first, I want to get what you're feeling now, almost 12 hours after the Sens came back, and now they've got 12 goals in two home games. Ross, I'm feeling so good. I mean, all, we knew it. All the Senators need was just a little home cooking, some good crowds, and they were going to get things clicking. And that's exactly what happened. As you mentioned, 12 goals in two games. And last night was one heck of a hockey game. I mean, you had the back and forths. You had the power play. The Sens hit the post four different times. They were dominating in the last two periods, out shooting the Capitals 37-12. to 12. That was an incredible game, and uh, now we were down 0-2 to start the season, back up at 500 at 2-2. And And the Arizona Coyotes are coming to town tomorrow. We'll end today's show with a little bit of a preview of that game coming up after the Coyotes lost 6-2 in Montreal. They're 1-3 to start the year, but Washington has 2-3. They were where the Sens are now going into this game, and what to you was the big difference maker to allow Ottawa to come back after those two goals on that five-on-three kill? I thought the Sens did a really good job of kind of settling down after the first period and just not letting it get to them. Like, they stuck to their game plan. I thought a big part of it too, Ross, was we criticized that third line a bunch. I thought they might have been the best line last night. They were really clicking, especially for that third goal, the game-breaker, the game-winning goal by Pinto. It involves all three of those guys. Joseph goes hard in for the four-check. Quickly over to Mott, and Mott doesn't waste any time, gets it out front to Pinto, and Pinto scores. And with a lot of these goals that we've seen, Ross, it really seems like the Sens, they're thinking one step ahead. Like, I feel like last year they would get the puck and be like, I'm not really sure what to do with it now. Do I shoot? Do I pass? Who's open, etc.? Now it seems like puck's on their stick, and the plan is already in place, whether they're going to pass or shoot, and they're able to really keep the opponent's defense moving quickly, and they're able to execute those plans really nicely, and they've got some shooters now that can finish things off. 
dare I say the Ottawa Senators dominated that game? Like, they, they didn't just win that game. They dominated the Washington Capitals. The shots on goal tell the tale. 44 to 24. I've been trying to go back and find the last time the Ottawa Senators outshot their opponent by 20 or more and won the game because they did it once last year. A lot. It's in Ian Mendez's article if you're looking for it. Of course it is. Why wouldn't I, it? I've got it here if you want the quick stats. Hey, stats guy. Here we go, stats guy. Um, so, as we mentioned, postcast, the last time there was a difference of... Um, Sorry, what was the... Yeah, it was Arizona. But then, Ross, in DJ Smith's tenure, going back all the way to January twenty, uh, January 11, 2020, all the other one, two, three, four, five, six games were losses. So that was the first win in that stat category. Wow. Absolutely love to see that <laughs> for the Ottawa Senators. A big round of applause and a big round yeah. of applause as well. For everyone who was in attendance last night, I believe it was about 14,000 was the announced attendance inside the CTC, but you could hear the noise on TV. Like, not only for the Zoom chance, but everything else. It was just a loud atmosphere. It felt like it. I'd imagine the arena was buzzing, and I couldn't believe the amount of people I saw on Twitter who were at the home opener and the second game. I'm still recovering from my Swaymans, man. I had a few too many Swaymans the other night, and next thing you know, man, I can't get words out. Yeah, it definitely a few too many Swaymans on your end. <laughs> Happens to the best of us from time to time. But this was a dominant effort. I absolutely loved it. They scored on the power play twice, which we said was a key to victory. We did, you know, pick both the locked on or locked lookout players, I should say, uh, to score. And, well, they did, unfortunately. Those were two goals in a span of 34 seconds midway through the first period. Were you nervous? I was a little bit nervous because even though the Sens were dominating, it just, they were hitting posts, they were getting close. And when you've got a guy like Alex Ovechkin, who is a Sens killer, all it takes is one rush down the wing and a quick wrister and things go south quickly. So the Sens were able to hold on. And I said it on the postcast, but it it, uh, deserves to be echoed again. Big stick taps to Anton Forsberg. It is not easy to make big saves and keep your team in the game when you're so cold and you're not getting any shots and then you have to make arguably save of the year so far for the Sens with that save on Johansson. So Anton Forsberg, although it's less shots than he's used to, he still played a solid game. Yeah, I like that. And in the locker room, Brady Kachuk singled out Drake Batherson uh, as the guy to rock the chain. Uh, He scored twice in this game and I was looking for that third point. Can you imagine if that hit back-to-back? We'd be so, so back with the Ottawa Senators. But Drake Batherson's first goal was assisted by Kachuk and Alex Dabrinkit uh, on the power play. And his second one, also on the power play, assisted by Thomas Shabbat and Brady Kachuk. I thought Shabbat had probably his best game of the year. Not that he's playing at what he would probably tell you is his best hockey right now, but he was awesome last night. I really liked what I saw from him, especially, I mean, the decor was all shaken up, and we'll get into it more with Cheryl Pounder, yeah. but Jake Sanderson left this game for a while, uh, had to get stitched up, so he only played 15-47. Get this, first time in his young career where he's played less than 20 minutes in a game, and it was not performance-related. He just had to get you know, get uh, his lip back put together. But Thomas Shabbat playing over 25 minutes and assist, two shots on goal, a couple of giveaways, but I thought he controlled the pace of play. What's really interesting to me here, though, is Eric Branstrom only played 11.54 in this game? Yeah. 
you think that was a coaching decision only, or maybe there's something else going on? Cause he's been playing so well this year. It just seems strange to staple him to the bench. Well, I think maybe that's a result of uh, Thomas Shabbat playing a little bit better, right? Like you, when Shabbat plays a little bit better, DJ Smith has no problem giving him the extra ice time. So maybe that's a result of it. I don't think this was uh, some sort of penalty to Branstrom sitting him on the bench because he hasn't played good or anything like that. So I'm not concerned. No, no. But then you look at Nick Holden played 17. So you're like, okay, well, why? 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 Tell me. I'm just looking for something to get mad at because – Otherwise, this was a pretty cool <laughs> yeah. performance. 64% in the dot pills. Like, everything that Ooh. this team was trying to do was clicking. Yeah, it really seemed that way. And a big part of it, and I mentioned on the postcast, was all the power play and special team time kept Alexander Ovechkin off the ice and really kind of slowed down his momentum. And then when he finally did get some power play time of his own or five-on-five time, he was just flinging everything he could at the net and he was missing the net left uh, left and right and high and he wasn't able to find his groove. So as we know, it's important to keep Alexander Ovechkin in check. The Sens did that and I think that was a big uh, result of why they were able to get the dub. All right, well, you and, and Martian both did your Sens Central standouts on last night's postcast. We would love if you checked out that as your second listen of the day right after the pod where we go live after each and every Senators game, and then you can catch that in your audio feed or on your YouTube the next day. I'm going to give you a couple as well, though, because there's too many good performances to only there's limit lots. Yeah. the four. So Pilsy last night had Tyler Mott and Anton as his standouts. Martian had Drake Batherson and Brady Kachuk. I'm going to start, though, with Shane Pinto. Six nice. for nine in the face-off circle. Scores a goal. Three straight games with a goal. Mm-hmm. Four shots. Like, this guy, whether he's playing 22 minutes or 12 minutes, played 14 last night, he just makes an impact on the game. And for him, this is only like his 20th career NHL game. It's yeah. super impressive what he's been able to do working up and down the lineup. So I got to give some stick taps to our boy. Shane Pinto. And then Alex DeBrinkett scores his first as an Ottawa Senator. Goal and an assist. Five shots on goal. Pilsy. The haters are mad who are saying that Alex DeBrinkett is overhyped or maybe a bust. Unreal. Because that that slow start that we're talking about with Alex DeBrinkett, he's got 20 shots on goal in four games. And he's got four points. Point per game guy. Yeah, that's the thing. And I, I think, was it Shane Pinto? Someone was mentioning how Debrinket was a really underrated passer. So it's nice to see when a guy that's a 40-plus goal scorer, a dominant sniper in this league, sure, he might not be getting goals, but he's not invisible out there. He's still getting shots. He's still making plays. He's still getting assists. So Alex Debrinket, I'm still happy the Senators acquired him. All right, coming up on the other side of the break, we'll touch on Tyler Boucher and his hot start. The 67s are 7-0, and so it's a whole team is looking real nice. And then we'll touch on a weekend preview for Ottawa and Belleville. But first, we want to get to Cheryl Pounder. And on our way there, Pilsy, you've got a word from our friends at Bet Online. Yes, BetOnline.net, the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And Ross, as is typical for Pillsy's parlay of the day, I was oh so close, but close only counts in shotguns and hand grenades, not in parlays. The Sharks won in overtime. I had them losing. The Sens won, though. But the key is stay in the action because on our other bets for the Senators and props and all those kinds of things, we hit pretty big, me, you, and Martian. It was a good night, and we hope you guys also bet on the Sens because... 
they got us a couple shekels. And at betonline.net, they have all the latest scores, news, updates, opinions, analysis, whatever you need. They got it. They have fun totals, player props, uh, over-unders, game spreads, money line, puck line. They got it at betonline.net. And it's not just hockey. They got basketball, football, baseball, golf, boxing, UFC, all of it. They got it. So, Head to the website today or check it out on your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Guys, it's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, let's get to our interview with Cheryl Pounder. All right, we now welcome a very, very special guest back to the show. It's a two-time Olympic gold medalist, a six-time world champion, and the newest superstar at TSN. No disrespect to Mark Mathot, but Cheryl Powder joins us now. How are you doing today, Cheryl? I'm doing great, but because of those comments, the next time I see Mathot, I'm going to have to elbow him on the panel again. I think he'll be elbowing me after those comments, but no, no great. Uh, doing great. Kids are at school, so you know, it's uh, it's a nice feeling right now. <laughs> oh, it's great. We love seeing you on the broadcast these first two games on TSN, and uh, how's it been getting back into the mix? Yeah, it's been pretty incredible. I mean, I didn't have much time off uh, through the summer because everything that got bumped into the summer, I was fortunate to be on. So I uh, had the opportunity to watch firsthand Ridley Gregg at the World Junior Championships nice. and um, just had a, a great time with that. So really didn't feel like I got a whole lot of time off. But yeah, it's always great to be back on the panel, uh, no matter who you're working with and talking hockey. And of course, we've had some great games with the Senators the last two in particular. I have to ask you guys a question. You were in the building Ooh. on Tuesday. I don't know. I thought uh, a lot of beverages were being consumed. Uh, were there any left by the time the game was over? Literally, no. <laughs> yeah, the, the Sens literally ran out of draft beer. Uh, Ross personally <laughs> apologized for that. And, uh, hey, we're, we're just trying doing everything we can to pay for uh, all the upcoming contracts that the Senators are going to have to afford. Yeah, that's, that would be a bonus every once in a while if you can get into a game and not work it so you can kind of have some fun like that and uh, – I, I've been known to be able to pound a few back. So, you know, well, anyway, yeah, was, anyway, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. Oh, no, it sounds like we're going to have to make this happen. Uh, maybe a little VIP giveaway and have four seats in a row. Bellsy, and we'll get a fourth in the mix. Leave a comment if you would like to enter this contest. No, all jokes aside, though, we every time it's like four beers, you're like, oh, $70. Oh, wait, it is. It is for nine so years. But Timmy's yeah. side for nine years. We're just paying our part. That's all. That's it. You're doing your part. You're doing your part. A little canvas. But uh, this was this was an awesome way to start the season. Like, we knew the offense was upgraded, but 12 goals in the first two games, Cheryl. Were you expecting the offense to click this quick? I know you talk so much about chemistry and getting things together. Like, Claude Drew scores a goal his first shift on home ice. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. And, and you know, when you watch the chemistry, you know, starting to build amongst the lineup. And when I say build, I mean – that's that's from line one, like right through to line four and, you know, doing their part at different times within the game. But, yeah, you know, the potent offense that the, they can create in particular off the rush. I, you know, I talked a lot about it below the goal line yesterday. Um, they just have the ability to finish and you can see the energy and the pulse in their game. And when they're dictating the play, when they're playing with pace, it's pretty incredible to see them move the puck um, and just the excitement around them. You know, they're a young group, but they've got the veteran leadership of someone like Giroux now. And the way that they're just sort of executing and really, for me, 
it's establishing presence and knowing how to finish. And that's been the big question in closeout games. And I think the last two have been positive, you know, giving up leads, getting them back, uh, being behind, and then finding a way to claw your way back into the game and still get the W. I think it's pretty impressive and a great start. Cheryl, I want to get it from a player's perspective because we were at the home opener, sellout crowd, over 100% capacity. The building was absolutely rocking. And you could tell that Brady Kachuk, when asked about the crowd, he didn't just give kind of the candid answer like, yeah, we love the crowd. Thanks for the passion, et cetera. Like he was, his face was lighting up. He was so excited. So give us your own personal kind of opinion on that. You've played in big games with big crowds. How much does that actually make a difference? Like if you're down, you're down a couple goals and the crowd lifts you back up. What does that do to the players on the bench? Are, are you guys talking about that? Are you feeling that? Give us your perspective on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to you have to feel it. I mean, we talked about in COVID how, you know, when there weren't uh, people in the buildings, how it was really important to physically engage someone like Brady Kachuk to, to lay a hit. Right. So to get yourself into that game and then get yourself ready to go because you have to almost fire yourself up. You have to manipulate your own energy and manage it. And these particular games, it is unbelievable. I remember in Halifax, the world championship in 2004 sold out venue and we're in the dressing room. And while we're in the room, i still get chills this very day. We're ready to go play the Americans. And the building was moving like the building was moving with the energy that was in it. And so there you are, you're, you know, just about to get out for your warm up, and you could feel it. And it's incredible because it doesn't matter who you are when you get that perspective, when you get that energy, when you get that feeling, it kind of enters you. You can't help but feel it. And it's what you do with it because you can get over emotional uh, or you can channel it in the right way. And so I think it's really important to recognize how you utilize it, when you utilize it, uh, how you talk to yourself around it. And, and I, you know, it's such a feeling. I mean, like I said, I still get the, the you know, the hair stand on end still goosebumps because I still remember the feeling. Um, we didn't have, you know, a ton of fans all the time. So when we did and we played for Canada, it was absolutely incredible. And I really felt like it fueled us at different times. And is that a time where you need the veterans in the room to kind of make sure everybody's even killed? Like I'm sure the Giroux, the Nick Holdens, those type of veteran presence where on the ice you might be like, hey, they've lost a step, not so much Giroux, but maybe the, on the back end with Hamannick and Holden. But you need these veteran type guys for, for more in the locker room, kind of keeping guys even keel. Is that a real thing? Yeah, I think it is. I think experience, when you can share experiences uh, and, and you're willing to be open-minded and listen to veteran experiences, players who have been it. I remember in Salt Lake City, before we got to the Olympic Winter Games, our veterans sat us all down. We hadn't won a game against the United States, sat us all down and said, this is what you can expect. And so until you live it, you process it, you learn how to be resilient within it, you need you know, that shared information. Um, we had a two page list, you know, of potential things we may encounter in our response to them because the veterans took the time to share what it would be like when we were there because we were no longer tourists. We were there to do a job. And so I think it's really important that when you have those experiences, you really share them. Uh, and it's also important for the veterans to recognize that everyone is different. Some some players play better when they're emotionally charged. Some play better when they're more even keel. Some play better, you know, and so 
how do you play and how do you perform at your best and how do you get yourself into that mindset to be able to perform? So if you're Brady Kachuk and you need that crowd to energize you and, 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 you know, just fuel you to give that next hit or at the right time, you do it. Uh, if you're someone who's a little bit more laid back who needs to calm themselves down and really take a few breaths, you know, those tools are really important as well, just to center yourself and get you back to what you just need to do. And maybe you need to drown out the crowd a little bit because it's overstimulating you, you know? So I think there's all of these things. Um, but no, there is nothing that can truly replace a veteran, a respected veteran, a respected veteran. And there is a difference. Someone who has, you know, walked the walk and talked the talk and you'll really listen to because you value what they have to say around it. Yeah, that's cool. Oh. Okay, that's cool hearing about the veterans uh, making game notes for you guys because that's that's big. So you can be prepared. Check the game notes, bud. We all know that's a, that's a massive part of hockey is knowing what you're going up against. And speaking of game notes, having two defensemen on the TSN panel in you and Mark Mathot, I think Sense fans really appreciate that because as we know, kind of the glaring weakness of the Ottawa Senators is this decor. So to have you two being able to break it down is so awesome. And I want to get into that right now, Cheryl, because we've seen some moving around with the decor. What are your thoughts on when DJ Smith decides to pair Branstrom and Shabbat together? Because I, I think it's fascinating that there's times in the game where that's the decision he l likes to make. And I think sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. They were on uh, on the ice uh, on that five on three when they get scored on for the second goal there, or maybe it's the first one, but one of those goals. So how do you think a pair like that works? Like how important is it? We always talk about the yin and yang defense pair, one shut down, hard nosed guy, one offensive guy. Can you have a two offensive guys click? Well, you know, I think it depends on who it is. I think if it seems and showing that it works and depending on particular situations, are you down a goal? Are you up a goal? Um, these are all elements that you have to look at because both players like to go, right? Shabbat likes to get to the middle of the ice. You know, he's going to dive down on, I think he's very gifted on the offensive blue line, knowing when to dive down. Brandstrom's type of player who, when he activates through the middle in particular transitions through the neutral zone, you know, he, he, he moves on his own a lot of the time, right? Right through the middle of the ice, he gets uh, entry on his own and then what he does with it from there. So if you're looking from a defensive standpoint, no, I, you know, at, at different times of the game, you know, I think Brandstrom, his gift is his offense. It is, you know, his exits through the middle of the ice when he's the one either distributing quickly or he's getting it and moving it through the middle. Uh, and when he defends with his feet and he doesn't try to get overly physical, I think he's more successful. But when I look at someone like Brandstrom, I want him to focus on his offense, not his defense. And I know that sounds kind of funny, but that's that's where he's that's where he's good. And so the two aren't always complementary, um, but I think what's happening is you're seeing, you know, you're just void in an area on the back end to be able to manipulate the pieces the way you actually may want. Um, you know, you see Zub, you've got uh, Shabbat. I mean, I, I obviously a huge fan of Zub. And then you've got Sanderson who has walked into the NHL like he's been there for three or four years and just playing with a ton of confidence. So it's kind of finding the right partner for him as well. And so I think this is this is a big, big piece uh, of the pie on the back end. And when everyone's playing at their best, yeah, I mean, it's like anything. It works. But sometimes you have to manipulate and make in-game changes and, and judgments off the hop. And, you know, for Brandstrom, he's quick to a puck. So on a five-on-three, that makes sense. But he doesn't have the leverage with a stick. So, you know, there's there's question marks around that on a five-on-three, whether you'd, you'd utilize him um, because of that as well. Yeah, they were in a little bit of trouble, though, because it was two defensemen in the box, right? Sanderson got the trip. Yeah, they were in the box. Yep. Over the glass. So they're kind of like, okay, let's okay, look around. Okay, we're looking around here. 
Yeah, minute and a half to kill off. I'm glad you brought up Jake Sanderson because it kind of leads back to the veteran conversation, how important it is. But he's played five games. It may as well be 500. Do you think he really needs Travis Hamannick next to him, or is it almost uh, time to experiment with him? Because I almost think he and Brandstrom could be a good pair together. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, And and I think that he's showing – and again, you know, such a small sample size, but I'm telling you, I would have been – you know. The nerves coming into a big game for me when I was young, I, I didn't play a shift in my final game at the World Championships because, you know, the couple games before I, I was trying to be something I wasn't. And so I wasn't effective at all. I was making mistakes. And then, you know, it's a tailspin. But for him, he just and Mark and I, it's interesting when you talk about this decor, uh, we have a, a great guy, but Puffy, who works uh, the desk with us and he, he takes all of the plays we mark. And he puts them together and packs them together. Well, it's funny. So Mathot was in Ottawa and we were on the panel in Toronto and we kept marking the exact same clips. <laughs> nice. Right. And so a lot of them around Sanderson and the exits. And one of the things with him is his confidence and his poise with the puck. Uh, you know, it is incredible. His feet aren't going hundred miles an hour. There's no panic or tone of panic to him. I've been really impressed with his ability to escape. So he's got that great edge work so he can escape when he reads pressure. And then I talked about it last night a little bit in, in our post game, what he's doing really well. And I think not always the, the eye goes to it because we're looking at the big flashy play. He always adjusts back to the middle of the ice. So within his gap, he steers. And so he's trying to push to the outside and there's more of a physical element to his game than I thought he had. So we're seeing him in front of the net, finding body position. So really we're seeing him in all three zones being effective here. So, you know, I don't think that Hamannick is, is his dead set partner at all. I think it's good to have him start there just so, so you can ease in. But uh, yeah, maybe we see things move around and that wouldn't be the worst. Speaking of things moving around though, a lot of the talk is that for this team to really be a playoff contender, they need to add a piece on the back end. Now, four games is still a small sample size, but from what you've seen so far, do, do you have confidence that maybe the urgency to add a veteran right shot top four defenseman it isn't that high? Like, What are your thoughts on if this decor can uh, still make it through here? Wait, veteran right shot defenseman, Cheryl. Where, you, where are you going to – yeah, I'm not coming out of retirement. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, the Mathot type, which was totally me, just, you know, just be stay, steady Eddie, stay at home, protect the middle, let your partner go, let them have some fun with the puck and, and, uh, and give it to them, right? And so, you know, that's hard to come by. And so if you don't have the right fit, I don't necessarily think it's now. And, I, I you know, I'm not saying JBD and Lassie Thompson are ready by any stretch, but what I'm saying is – that you have a core here, you have a lot of offense. So you know you're going to score goals, but defense creates offense. So what I do believe is that you need a little more team structure. If you're not going to get the right fit, I don't think you just go out and do it just because you think you need another depth or you need it, you want to push everyone uh, into what you think is an appropriate spot if you don't think you're going to get the right player. I just don't think it's it's necessary. Obviously, you want the piece. You you want a piece. You need the right piece to be able to, to really push down the stretch. But this team, if they can collectively identify their D zone structure, collectively, not just from 
2D, the defense. I'm talking the five-man unit, including the goalie, the six-man unit. When they come across their own line, I think they've been a little bit better off of the rush. But once they're in zone, sometimes they get caught chasing. And so they have two, three on a puck, which opens up a player in the mid lane of the ice. So I think that's the stuff that they really have to garner if they're not going to get that piece. It has to be a collective effort in their own zone to be in the right spots and supporting very, very well. Um, and one of those things is also being stronger in front of the net, right? You're seeing Forsberg makes those first saves, in particular the Boston game, and then the rebound was being collected and put in. So being tougher on the sticks, being harder on the bodies down low, um, and I think that, you know, that will also shore up the D a little bit if they're a little more structured. And I don't know if, you know, one-on-one -on -one necessarily chasing to the high is, is the answer, but I certainly think that, for them, if they're more aware structurally in their own zone and their defensive posture, I think that, it, you know, they can get good things. And we saw some transition off it yesterday, to be truthful. We saw some offense off of good sequences that we marked, but we never got there. Uh, we didn't have enough time in our panel to talk about. Uh, and Shane Pinto was one of the ones that I was kind of pointing out from that standpoint. Yeah, well, the game winner against Toronto on Saturday was kind of both there, where two guys got crossed up at the top uh, near the blue line, Batherson and Pinto then, yeah. and then they came down low, the shot comes, and then nobody's able to clear it in front of the net. So both those issues were glaring, and it cost them a game uh, with yeah. less than five minutes left. But I think that that, I mean, you hope that that's just kind of a young team coming into its own. Uh, uh, final question for me, Cheryl, and we really appreciate your time and joining us, and uh, your insight is very, very well received by all of our listeners. We always get great feedback every time we have you on. We appreciate your your friend of the show territory. So thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, but my final question, you can take it any which way you want. Is there a player so far, and again, early stages, only four games in, who maybe you weren't expecting this much out of? Maybe we'll leave Sanderson to the side, a special case there. But a guy where he's really kind of come on your radar this year? Oh, Billsy wants you to say Tyler Mott so bad. I <laughs> no, he had a great game last night, guys. I mean, right? We spoke about him in our post game and just how hard he was on the puck. And that third line, I'm telling you, we, uh, we spend a lot of time on the panel talking about that behind the scenes. You often want to share, you know, the goals and break down the goals, but it's, it's the details to the game of that third line that are going to be absolutely critical for this roster because they can contribute someone like Mott, you know, the energy that he's providing, he's playing and, you know, he's, you've seen him on the PK, you've seen him at different times on the power play. Um, but even yesterday, just getting available, using his body to drive the net lane first on a puck, block shots at key times, all of those different elements. Um, and when you have Pinto, who I've been very impressed with, and again, I, but that's not a shock. We've been talking about Pinto in particular last year. Um, obviously, I think he only had five games, but his ability to support down low. There was a, a play yesterday that defense turned offense, which we had actually marked and liberoed and marked up, but we never got to it. His line to the net and his positioning off of the puck, the battle, was incredible. So in that second layer, when that puck popped, he, he just had it. And so everyone's always like, oh, the puck always finds him. No, it doesn't just find him. He is in the right spots because he anticipates and he knows the game, a 200-foot game. And then they went north. And so it was a, an actual perfect D-zone coverage sequence that led to the transition to them going north. And so I think if they can get better at that, that's where it's going to really help them because they're not going to play in their zone quite as much because it's going to pop and they're going to get it out. But that third line for me, I would say, has been, um, you know, and Mott and Pinto have been two of the players that I've certainly 
certainly really enjoyed. And of course, we know I, Zub is is excellent. And I mean, I feel like he's starting to really even just his game's even maturing even more um, in terms of, you know, just jumping in and not being afraid to to dive in every once in a while when he sees the opening to go. And Zub's English is improving, too. That yes, was so is, awesome to it? get to see that interview. I mean, and it, Ross and I were watching that together and it's impossible not to smile at everything that guy says. He's just so funny. So well, I, I, sorry, I, need, go ahead, guys. I need to ask you this, Cheryl, because I'm in such a conundrum when I'm thinking about Zub's extension. He's yes. earned a lot of money. Yes. He, he has to think like, I've got it pretty good here. The fans literally chant my name every single time I touch the puck. Why would he want to leave? I don't think, why would you? And I mean, listen, there ain't that many, uh, you know, top pairing right defenders out there, guys. Like this is, look at, look at what, you know, we're talking about, you know, who, who can play with Sanderson. And, um, you know, I know Chikrin is a, a big conversation piece. He's a lefty, you know, you're going to have to move yep. him to the right. So there's, you know, there's all of these questions around and you have it, you have a shutdown D and we did something on uh, Zub last night. Cause we'd marked again, both Mathot and I had marked these little tiny plays that you may not because our eye goes to that. Yep. And it was just a stick steer. You know, it, but it pushed the play. It pushed the play exactly where they wanted it. Or it was a shutdown in the neutral zone and not even allowing the entry with speed. So forcing the dump and then the exit comes off of it or taking a hit below the goal line. I mean, how important is it to take a hit so that that next player in, if they're in the proper positioning, can jump on that puck? And you've got situations where you've got quick centers. And even if it's a Brandstrom coming over, Right. We see that. That's where I like Brandstrom. Right. I like him as that second player in to pick up the puck to yep. be able to to get the exit, not the first one back. Right. So it's it's um it's it's interesting to watch. But with him, I mean, there's not many of him around and there's a culture around this group. And I am sure you guys felt it on Tuesday. You guys have been you're in depth within um, the senators and you can feel it. A lot of these guys are growing up together in many ways. So they're going through it together. And that's that's a pretty amazing thing when you're on a team and you have a few leadership pieces there that can guide you, but that you're doing it together. You're that same age group, you're learning together. So you feel somewhat comfortable in terms of being confident uh, and in and, and the belief and the hope that you're going to do it together. And I really feel that this is a very optimistic group that believes in themselves. Um, and when you hear Zoob chants, I mean, he's got to be inside just, just, you know, it's got to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. And we were talking about it, how, uh, when he touches the puck, like when he catches and, and shoots right away or passes yeah. it, they can't even get the whole uh, chant out like the Zuba. <laughs> so it's like, Zoo, and then it stops right it's away. Gone. It's so funny. Yeah, there's so, going to be a time where he's going to go end to end, guys, and it's just going to be like it's almost going to sound like a boo because it's going to be just it's just going to continue on. It's going to be just long and steady. Oh yeah, right. Well, he scored 13 goals his last year in the KHL. There yeah. is offense in his oh, game. Yeah. Well, there is, and I think that's what I meant by maturity and 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 just sort of getting your legs under. He knows what he's got to do when he's playing with Shabbat. I mean, you know, if you got another piece or potentially down the road, could he play with Sanderson? You know, there's all of these other questions. Brandstrom's been good this year, guys. Brandstrom's been mm -hmm. Brandstrom's been very good and and transporting the puck and he's kind of playing to me. I think it was when was it after I got cut? Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. But you know, you almost have that bleep it attitude. Like you know what? Like I gotta just go play my game, man. Like I just gotta go play my game. Like whatever. Like let's just go play your game. Let let the chips fall where they may. But let's just like no more fear. Just go play. And it seems like he's just 
let's go. Yeah. And One um, deal, right? Like prove it. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's, it's how you liberate yourself. It's how you free yourself because the toughest thing for any athlete is what's between the ears. It's not the skill set. Clearly Um, it's just finding a way to utilize and get it out there and play your best. And for someone like Zub, the maturity in his game, you're starting to see that confidence to not just shut down, but all of a sudden jump down, you know, jump down the wall. We saw the goal the other day. He stayed on the puck. Like he stayed up there. He didn't, he didn't take one whack at it it and go like, like I would, if I could retreat, I could get back to the blue line. Like he kept, he kept going. So, you know, the second effort and the battle there and, you're seeing it with guys like Sanderson. I mean, him walking the blue line right now, I'm like, man, I would have dumped that in the corner if I was <laughs> deep, right? But he's confident. And that's you're going to make your mistakes with that. But with that, it's also you're going to generate and um, you're going to rally, rally a group. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, final question for me, Cheryl. We've had a very defense-focused chat, as we always do, and we always appreciate your analysis. But <laughs> I'll give you an opportunity. I'll open things up as wide uh, Zoom as you want here. What do you think is going to be the biggest storyline for this team this year? It, whether it's off ice or on ice, what, what do you think is going to be the driving storyline for the Ottawa Senators? I think the Ottawa Senators right now, I don't think we talk a lot about the top six. I think there's a lot of depth to this lineup. And when you to me, this nine is, I mean, and you also have a fourth line that knows the role and is hard, heavy. I mean, Castellick, you know, they're hard. They're hard on the puck. Um, So for me, it is going to be that this is an electric forward group. This is a very electric forward group that can create, can generate, but it's not just six. And I think we spend a lot of time talking about Debrinket, which I thought he had a, I, I thought he had an excellent game. Um, you know, what I liked about him in yesterday's game and really up to this point, and you're seeing Giroux feeding him for a reason. That's veteran leadership right there, knowing that he just needs it, right? But I mean, he's making the right decisions with the puck. Like he's around the net. He's just not putting it in, but he's dishing. He's making some beautiful passes. And for me, I hadn't had an opportunity to watch Brinkett a lot, obviously living in Canada, covering what we cover. And, and I thought, oh, this guy's a trigger. Like he, he's a trigger. And then now I'm like, man, he moves the puck. Well, man, he distributes. Wow. He turned his toes and thread the needle. And so he's not, you know, he's not selfish, just trying to find the, the back of the net. He's trying to make the right play for the team. And that is a very telling thing for me. Um, but when we look at this forward group, I think we're going to be talking depth. And um, that's something. And I think goaltending, uh, you know, Forsberg, you know, he's got to hold down the fort here until Talbot gets back. And so I think it's going to be a big storyline, especially wanting to get off to a, a real strong start. Um, you know, Forsberg doing the job he needs to do. Um, but there will be a lot of weight on his shoulders in order to, to be able to play, you know, this first month of the season. I can't believe they got Anton Forsberg off of waivers. This guy I know, is can you, <laughs> so good. Like incredible, right? And he looks calm and his feet are quiet and he's not scrambling. Like, but he, he battles for the second shot. And, and even again, this is a game against Boston. I mean, a lot of those, you know, shot, you know, shot at because he made the first save. So I think, you know, if you can get that goaltending, which you've gotten so far, um, and you can weather the storm and you, so you get Talbot back in terms of the workload, you know, with this forward group and, and, and Hey, we may be talking the defense guys down the road and how they've proved us wrong in ways, um, you know, to, to be able to, to manage. But I think a lot of that is, is reliant on the forward group and how they support their own, their own zone as well. 
Well, we're going to look forward to having that conversation with you, Cheryl. When are we going to see you next on TSN for a Sens broadcast? Oh, you know what? I don't even have my calendar in front of me, guys, but it's uh, <laughs> not next week. I don't think it's next week. Okay, well... Know. You know what? People just have to get your analysis unlocked on Senators then. But no, we do always appreciate your visit, Cheryl. We're already looking forward to the next one. Thanks so much for your time. Awesome, guys. Have a great one. Stick taps to Cheryl for joining us. Fantastic insight from her. Really appreciated. And Pilsy, she said at the end when we were off air that Saturday is a must-win game for your Ottawa Senators 4 p.m. puck drop against the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, Cheryl is the best. I mean, we love chatting with her. Her energy is off the charts. Her analysis is great. I love when she brings insight from when she played. Uh, it's a great perspective. And her and Mathot, like, I love them on the panel, Ross, because usually the, the panel of former players, it's either uh, you get a grinder, you get a top offensive guy, or you get a backup goalie, right? Andy. That, that, that's usually the trio. So to get two defensemen on there brings a whole different angle to the show. So we can't thank Cheryl enough. We know you guys love having her on. We love having her on. So we'll we'll try to make it a more regular thing. Yes, absolutely. And and getting her on right after she covered the first two games for TSN, the timing just worked out well. So we can't thank her enough. And the reason why she said it's a must win. And it makes sense. How many times did the Sens sends a team above yeah. them in the standings the last few years, you have to win the games against teams you should beat. Toronto Maple Leafs know all about that because they can't do it. They never have been able to. And look what it does to them in the playoffs. You yep. need to beat these teams. I'm going to follow her footsteps. I'm saying it's a must-win game on Saturday. Yeah, I, I'm going to be right there because if you lose this game, now you're no longer at 500. You're below 500. And those are points that... You, they need to be a schedule win. Like you got to look at that and be like, we're getting two points here. Yeah. And they're in their third game of the Eastern on uh, Canada swing that they do, right? They already played Toronto, already played Montreal. Like you're getting them in the third game. Now get this. Anton Forsberg was given the morning off yesterday um, just for, well, you know why. And it was Andre Turini's yep. kid hmm. who filled in. I think we have to go to the league about this Pilsy. He's getting a pre-scout for his dad who's coaching Arizona. <laughs> yeah, true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, wow. Um, you know what? I, I think it worked out. I'm not too worried about the the scouting. Check the game notes. It's okay. We're very excited to do the postcast tomorrow. I'm going to be involved. Pilsy will be there. So we'll get some good vibes. Martian has boots on the ground at yes. the CTC. So we might get him on for a quick standout as he's walking out of the game, depending on how it goes, but please subscribe to the locked on senators podcast it goes a long way to help the show grow. Leave a comment as well. Give me one positive and one negative so far that you've noticed through the first four games. I think I said five when I was talking about Jake Sanderson, it just feels like he's played 500. So please forgive me. However, that to say with uh, with the subscriptions, it goes a long way. And another way you can really help the show grow is on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review. We don't need an exam or an essay, just like one word even. But the five-star review goes a long way in helping the show grow. So we appreciate that. Hey, speaking of Andre Tourigny, uh, former head coach of the 67s, they look good. 7-0, and Tyler Boucher, how are you? Goal per game, that's all right. Yeah, Tyler Boucher. And... Ross, this does not come to surprise to me, you, and Martian because we've been championing him for a long time. And 
now that he has a proper start to the season, he knows he's going to be in the O this whole time. He's feeling good. He's healthy. It's going to be the Tyler Boucher coming out party. Yes, 100%. And I mean, I'm not ready to, you know, start getting uh, belligerent on Twitter, for lack of a better term. Belligerent, is that good enough for word of the day? Word of the day. Belligerent. And that's how I'm going to be if Tyler Boucher hits his projected totals right now on pace for almost 50 goals and almost 100 points. But again, it is early. That uh, that leads me into maybe the funniest prospect of the year, Stephen Halliday. Good buddy. We, we had him on the show. Big tennis guy, if you follow him on Instagram. Loves nice. tennis. And what do you do in tennis, Pilsy? You dish the ball back and forth, and he's been dishing pucks on the ice. I would almost say he's a disher. Yeah, I mean, if I could go back, I would also say that he is a disher. I mean, honestly, at this point, uh, he's just doing this to spite me. Like, he's going to be, it's an empty net breakaway, and he'll drop past it to get the apple because he just wants to let me know, yeah, actually passing, I consider a big part of my game. I do believe I am, in fact, a disher. I love it. Stephen Halliday had Uh, three assists in a 9-2 win last night for the Ohio State. He leads... OSU in scoring with eight points in seven games. And yes, seven of them are assists. Thank you to our boy at Sense Prospects for that nugget. He also gave us another good nugget, and that is Levy Marilinen. Right when I was out, he pulled me back in. He's grabbed the starter's crease for Carpat after getting pulled in, I believe, his first game. He's now 5-1 and with a 935 save percentage. Those are the types of numbers he was putting up in junior Finnish leagues. Yeah, for real. And now that's, I was never out on Levy, uh, Ross. I was, I, I was close. I was close. You, yeah, you, you weren't uh, weren't too confident in there. But now he's really making that decision to stay over in Finland rather than the OHL. It's looking like a smart move because the, the reason I didn't like it is because I was like, well, it doesn't look like he's going to be starting a lot. I'd rather having starting games, even if it's in lesser competition. If you can get those starts and dominate, get shutouts in uh, the Finnish league, that's very impressive. So we love seeing that from our guy, Levy. Yes, absolutely. From Levy Marilinen. So hopefully he can keep that up. Um, Belleville, they lost in overtime to Rochester they couldn't exercise their demons yeah. after Rochester knocked them out of the playoffs last year what are you hoping to see as they go into another weekend well I mean they're they're still have a good start to their season right they beat Laval twice so they're two and one now right I don't think they've played since yeah since they're going up went. the champs tonight the Springfield Falcons is up yeah now. so that'll be man you go up against the team that knocked you out of the playoffs, then you go up against the champions. Those are big measuring stick games. So I'm hoping we see a big game from Belleville here, and probably it'll be Antoine Bibo that'll get the start as Mando had the start uh, last game. So this will be interesting. And as long as they can keep it close in this game, I'll I'll be happy because it's not it's not do or die time or anything like that. Did I call them the Springfield Falcons? Yeah, you did. There, but it's nice. some kind of bird. Yeah, yeah, but the Springfield Falcons have been defunct since 2016. Now, it's the Springfield Thunderbirds. Yes, the Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. Yes, no James Neal, though, who was playoff MVP pretty much for them last year. But Belleville's got them tonight and tomorrow on home ice. So if you're in the Bay of Quinty area, check them out at home and see the future of the Ottawa Center. Still no update on Ridley Gregg. So hopefully we get one of those. If not today, then soon after. And 
it's just you want to see that guy getting reps after you know the 20 game whl season with the covid uh, shortening and then yeah it sucks with the injuries uh, at the world juniors and then uh, after making the comeback and then now having to be out of the lineup once again but we're looking forward to getting into all this much more on mondays locked on senators but hope you enjoyed cheryl pounder we've got the postcast coming up tomorrow following the ottawa senators hosting the Arizona Coyotes. For more, you can follow the show on Twitter at Send Central, on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators, and please subscribe on your favorite, your least favorite. Subscribe on all the podcast platforms and on YouTube goes a long way to help us. Pilsy, any final thoughts on today's show? Go Sens, go! All right, nice and easy. Go Sens, go! A must-win game coming up yes. with the Arizona Coyotes. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. <laughs>